Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. You're listening to Double G Radio. So all the non-believers, how did that so all the non-believers, anybody can be beat. Relax and enjoy our expert analysis of all proteins in the concrete jungle. Can't wait. Big news coming out of the NBA and the New York Knicks. They just hired a new general manager. Who the hell is he? No one knows. It's Kyle Ells. Jason, this is the box out, and it begins right now. It's the box out here on Double G Sports Radio. Thursday night, hot night in the tri-state area in, in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, over 90 degrees. Kyle, with you, Jason, did you have to go outside at any point today to deal with that heat? Because I didn't leave my house today. It was brutal today. It's brutal out there, let me tell you. It, it, it still is. I went outside real fast. I ran to the corner store to get like, some, some, some dinner, some beans for my dinner. And it was still like pushing like 80. And I was like, this is ridiculous. The funny, so the one we, funny thing that happened to me, mm-hmm. the one funny thing that happened to me when I did go outside today is I thought I was witnessing a armed robbery, but it was actually Floyd and the money team making a withdrawal in the middle of Times Square. I thought that was hilarious. And then uh, a, couple that, later, a couple of hours later, the Knicks hired a new general manager. So, I, you know, this is a basketball show, obviously, but I, I, I want to come to you with this Mayweather McGregor thing. So I think this is this is big news. I think, you know, just we're in the NBA free news about the NBA is going to die off a little bit once summer league's over. We're going to have a little lull, but I'm sorry. I'm interested in McGregor Mayweather. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't want to pay $100 to see this fight because I know, I know it's going to be a disaster, but I'm kind of curious about this fight. Oh, I'm very curious about it. They definitely, they definitely sold the fight to me. And it's, it's, you know, I don't know if you noticed this running theme, but they went to Staples Center to do the press conference. It seems like even Connor and Floyd don't want to go to Mad Square Garden these days. So who really wants to go to the Garden for anything right now? That's, that to me yeah. is another problem within itself. Yeah, they go. Well, it seems like in, you look at wrestling in the WWE, they had a live event in Madison Square Garden, but for the most part, they don't run the garden as much as they used to. They run Barclays a lot more. They run Barclays. Uh, it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be four straight days coming up in August. They have uh, yep. you have NXT, you have SummerSlam, you have Raw, you have SmackDown. You have four consecutive nights in Barclays. When in the past, you wouldn't even think about you know Nassau Coliseum or uh, the Continental Airlines Arena here in Jersey. 
you take the garden and nobody wants to work at the garden, whether it be, you know, a GM candidate, or whether it be a wrestling event or whether it be a hype up press conference for a boxing match. And it seems like it's the same head of the snake causing the problem, which is James Dolan. Yeah, and then it, big news in the last about 90 minutes or so, it it dropped that the Knicks hired – oh, that played uh, – that the Knicks hired a new general manager, uh, Scott Perry, who was the Kings vice president of basketball operations, have come to terms on a deal to become a new new Knicks general manager. That's, of, um, that's from – Comcast Sportsnet in Chicago. Uh, I wrote an article for Double G this afternoon, literally two hours before this broke. And I was talking about how the Knicks seem like they don't have a clue what they're doing based on the Tim Hardaway deal, based on the Ron Baker deal, based on the just general inactivity that has kind of been seen from the fans and others around the league. I don't know if you know who Scott Perry is, Jason, but do you think this is someone that's going to come in and set up some type of culture, or do you think this might just be a yes man to work for Steve Mills and James Dolan? I think he will try to implement a, a culture, but at the end of the day, he still has to report to Steve Mills, who Steve Mills still has to report to James Dolan. From what I'm hearing, the little little snippets I found on Twitter, a lot of people seem to like this guy. It's just they don't think he should have took this job. It's kind of like that whole Luke Wilson scenario where, yeah, you're, you're going to be a great coach one day. We don't know if he should have took the first job that was offered to you. So that's, that's the vibe I'm seeing this evening about uh, the next new general manager. So Perry worked for Orlando Magic uh, with their old general manager, Rob Hannigan, who was fired. He was let go in mid-April and just literally hired by the Sacramento Kings in April. April and May. So essentially Sacramento's letting him go for nothing, which is surprising. And you're right. It seems like from what I've read, and obviously this just happened. So there wasn't a lot of research, yeah. there's a lot of Twitter research, but a lot of people think that he could be he's a he could be a really good GM, very good president. But like you said, this may not have been the job he should have taken has his first uh has his first major undertaking. Uh it Steve Mills is going to be promoted now. Steve Mills goes from general manager to president. The president, yeah. It, it seems like there's this blind loyalty, and I couldn't think of a word last week, and it popped in my head as I was writing this article this afternoon. This is blind loyalty that James Dolan has for people who work at the Garden. Isaiah Thomas, a Steve Mills. Uh, you saw Glenn Sather of the Rangers still has a job. The Rangers were terrible. like They're yeah. good now, but they were terrible for years, and he – he was never on the hot seat. Do you think this, this this applies to Steve Mills, I'm assuming, right? Steve Mills has been with the Garden for a long time. Dolan's keeping around because he trusts him to know that he's going to do whatever Dolan wants him to do. Yeah, pretty much. It's that, like you said, it's that blind loyalty. But I think I think Steve Mills, we have to agree, even if he does an okay job, it's still better than what Phil Jackson was doing. At least you have somebody that could attempt to seem like they know what they're doing, unlike so did not even try. Yeah, but you know what? And I wrote this again. With the moves they made, and I know they put a lot of eggs in their basket with this convoluted Camelo Anthony deal that's in the works. We'll talk about that a little bit later. There's no the, the, Phil had a direction as has half fast as it was and how aged it was. Phil had a Phil had a direction, Phil had a culture. Seems like we don't have a culture. We hired a GM today, so maybe the GM's going to help build that culture. But 
there's a philosophy for this team. You sign a Tim Hardaway Jr., which in hindsight won't work with Carmelo if he stays around, but then you give Ron Baker $9 million out of nowhere. I feel like that you, don't have, you really don't know what this is. And we're in, what, second week of free agency going into the third week. You still don't know what the hell this team looks like. Yeah, it's kind of scary. And, you know, like you said, you're going to talk about later, and you're trying to ship out Melo, but you have nobody really running the operation right now. So who knows what kind of conversation you're going to get right there. And it's and I'm, I, I, we talked briefly about hard. I don't think we talked about Hardaway at all. I think it was just the offer sheet last week or after a show. But Right, it was just, right. Yeah, so the deal's done. Atlanta did not match the deal, which God bless them, they didn't. 17 and 17 and a half million per year, give or take. Was this an example of the Knicks negotiating against themselves again, like they normally do every single time as a free agent? Because it seemed like for Tim Hardaway Jr., he's a good player. I think he could he, he can give you 18, 19 points a game and if he starts, but he's not a 17 million dollar player. Absolutely not. They really they pretty much negotiated against themselves. And to think if you'd have kept him. And I think if this, I think the signing of Tim Hardaway Jr. was all Steve Mills. It was his ego. Like, okay, so you got rid of him. I like this kid. I'm bringing him back. And I'm giving him a raise, which is totally unnecessary. So um, I think I think that's all it really was about. I think it was all about ego play. And I do I like Tim Hardaway, but not at that price. I feel like it's Allen Houston all over again in terms of the contract. Yeah, it really is. And it's... Yeah. I, I I thought about this for hours today because I knew you were doing the show. And I just I texted you the topics and we talked briefly, and I couldn't think of a word and I still can't about what this what the season will look like. In the article I wrote, I said, "Buckle up, it's gonna be a bad season." But I think it's gonna be worse than bad. It's gotta be a worse word to use for this upcoming New York Knicks season than bad. And I couldn't think of it. And I'm still thinking of that word. I it's I don't I don't. Huh? Atrocious. Maybe. Atrocious. Debacle. Maybe. Disastrous. Uh, Triangleist, like the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> it could be. It could be really bad, you know. Shambolic, which is a British word, he used that. I heard Gordon Ramsay use it a lot. It just seems like. And then Ron Baker. I'm sorry. I like Ron Baker. Ron Baker is a good energy guy off the bench. He he can play guard. He has some skill. He has a little bit of a shot. You know, he's a good guy. But two years, nine million dollars for Ron Baker is insane, considering you're giving this man four and a half million dollars a year off of what? What do you give? What are you paying him for? Based on fifty-one games where he averaged four points a game, it's just that nine million dollars could have went any place else. Ron Baker would have signed for two million. You give him four, then you give him it. it I don't, and that might have been one of those eagle plays too. I think. Yeah, I'm afraid so. But this is the problem with the Knicks. They're just not properly managed. And I told I told you before, I'm telling you again, the Nets will have a better record than the Knicks coming up. I'm starting to believe you. I'm starting to believe that wholeheartedly because I feel like it's to the point where, like I said, Mills is talking the season up and saying, we're going to be terrible this year. Let's just slug it out, get what we can get for Carmelo, which is a whole nother issue because this trade, it just seems like it, we're on the two-yard line. It's right there. But 
it hasn't happened yet. And now you have to include two other teams on top of the two main people of New York and Houston because Ryan Anderson seems like he's holding up the whole trade because nobody wants Ryan Anderson and his three years, $60 million. It seems like it's this, it's this, it's going to be this large convoluted deal that the NBA is going to take days to get through because there's so many players, so many picks, so much money. And it's like, just trade him. If you have to take Ryan Anderson on, it is what it is. Take the money on. But it, it, there has to be an ending to this saga. And it seems like it's not ending after yesterday. I'm saying, we're really close. See, this is why I, this is why I told you a couple weeks ago, I kind of backfill with that whole trading for Zingas. Yes, it, was, it sounded like a terrible idea. But if you really think about it in hindsight, I think, Porzing, I think the Knicks are going to waste Porzingis early years. And I think by the time Porzingis hit that fourth or fifth year where he's, hit, he's about to hit his stride, the Knicks are still going to be terrible. And at that point, what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to try to get rid of Porzingis. So I think they should have did a total rebuild and get those picks from Boston, and they should have built it that way. So for, for as much slack as Phil got the last couple of months, he kind of, like you said, he, he kind of had a direction where he wanted to go. Now I think it's in total shambles, and you just got to trust in the Knicks process. Oh God, that word! <laughs> trust the process. <laughs> I don't see a pro. I don't see a process. As much crap as Sam Hinkie got, Sam Hinkie had a plan. As much crap has, I would say. I mean, based on their offseason, the Kings got ex- exponentially better. A lot of older guys, a lot of veterans to mix with the young guys, but. It seems like Vladi Divac has a plan. It seems like Memphis has a plan. It seems like the Knicks, the Nets, they have an amazing plan. The Knicks don't have a plan. So it's like, I feel like that's going to be our, our, our mantra. I think he's created a new mantra. Trust the process for us now. The process comes to New York. And I feel like the process is going to keep going, and it's going to be like, okay, three years later, we got rid of Przingis. He left. But Hernan Gomez is our centerpiece, and that's going to be endgame. That's the process right there. And it's one thing to be bad. It's one thing for the Eastern Conference to be bad as a conference in whole. But when you're at the bottom of the of that, when you're at the bottom of the worst conference, there's no, there's no, you're just done. You're in basketball limbo. And I think that's an awful spot for the New York Knicks to be in right now. I also want to talk about uh, David Griffin. He was at the top of their list. Jerry West vouched for him, said this is a great guy. He has a championship ring under his belt. He was general manager of the 2016-16 champion Cleveland Cavaliers. He got fired, got let go, couldn't come to terms with Cleveland. He interviews with the Knicks. Apparently, the interview went really well. They start negotiating. Now, the, the holdup with this deal was that allegedly, reportedly, they were offering a little bit, a little bit more he was making in Cleveland, but not as much as he wanted to make. Also, he wouldn't have full autonomy to make moves that he wants to make in addition to bringing in his own people. And this goes back to that blind loyalty thing that I talked about a little earlier. The fact that David Griffin, who has a championship ring, wanted to come in, bring in some of his people, replace some of the people with the Nick organization who's done nothing to this point. And Dolan and Mills is like, no, we don't want to do that. You, you, can't, you can't keep running with the same people over and over. I compare it to... You play street basketball. You play in a you, you play in the playground. You come with the same five guys, and you, you play well, but then the other four guys don't play well. You can't run with the same four guys every single day during the summer because you get you behind. You have to change it up. 
And for some reason, Dolan and Mills, because Mills is going to be president, whoever got GM, Mills will move up, didn't, does, wants to go to bat with the same team they have, and this team is terrible. Hey, you know, you know the old saying, keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting the same results. And you're absolutely right. You know, he's just blind loyalty. And I don't blame Griffin for stepping, not taking that job because what's the, he doesn't want to be a yes man. He wants to be his own man. And they would always hinder that. I think he didn't hinder it because of the Phil Jackson. But I think going forward, it's going to be back to the same old James Dolan. He's going to keep meddling. But this time, he's going to meddle via Steve Mills. Yeah, I feel like Phil, Phil messed up for everybody. Phil, Phil screwed up for everybody. He now. Phil had autonomy. Phil had autonomy. Phil could do what the hell he wanted to do, and it didn't work. So now Dolan, who's been away for three years, not really caring about what the hell they're doing, is back in the picture now, probably looking over everyone's shoulder and and uh, uh, interfering. And I feel like Phil Jackson messed it up for Nick fans, Nick players. Now you're going to see Dolan around a bit more. Dolan's going to be talking a bit more. Dolan may want to give input on trades that he might want to configure in his head. It's this whole organization is a mess. I, I don't understand. Yeah, they got a new GM. I guess I could be excited about it, but there's nothing to be excited about with this Nick team. Nothing at all. It's going to be a long couple seasons. Oh. Speaking of excitement, and I will go to the Nets because they lost Otto Porter. Washington matched their offer sheet to Otto Porter, which kind of surprised me that they were even matched that, but – but then they traded for DeMar Carroll from the Raptors and picked up some draft picks in return. So now you've, you picked up Miles Goff, you picked up D'Angelo Russell, you picked up a DeMar Carroll on top of the young guys you have and you drafted. My question to you, Jay, is this. Can the Nets, with the team they have constructed as is, compete for the AFC in the Eastern Conference right now? Because I think I think Russell is going to have a breakout season. I think he'll be in the All-Star, I think he'll be in the All-Star team. And just the little pieces they have in place, maybe a change of scenery might do Carroll well, might do some service. I think they will compete for an eighth seed. Because I think the bar for the eighth seed at alone, the bar for the seventh to eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, well, they're probably going to be 38 to 42 wins. I yeah. think from, from what we saw last season with the Mets, they were very competitive. They were like, to me, I mean, I think I told you this already, they were the worst, best team I've ever seen in terms of. Yes, they had the worst record in the league, but they were in a lot of games. And I think with the talent they added and the coaching staff and the system to play, I think they'll be competitive again. And I think they might get a couple bounces to go their way this time. So at this point right now, their payroll stands at $67 million, if I'm not mistaken. I'm looking at their payroll. I think Carol's salary hasn't been added on. I'm on hoopshype.com. Um Carol's salary hasn't mm-hmm. added on. So what Carol's salary, I think you add another 15, maybe 20. So they add about 87, which is well below the salary cap. But a player that kind of today was announced that Jonathan Simmons, his rights were renounced by San Antonio. So now he's an unrestricted free agent. Is this a player that, and I'm looking at both the Nets and the Knicks, is this a player that either team should go after right now, especially the Nets? They have some money to spend, and you have a player who shows some flashes with San Antonio. Do you think this is a a guy that could really benefit from being on the Nets or the Knicks for that matter. I think he'd be a great fit for the Nets because he reminds me a lot of Thaddeus Young and he'd be a great replacement for him. I think the Nets are really jump on that. They have the money. Just don't let's not, let's not go crazy and throw out of quarter money, maybe a little less. 
and get yourself, uh, you know, get yourself forward. Yeah, it's uh, you look at their team has is, and once again, uh, Carol's not added on yet, but Mozgov, Jeremy Lin's still there, Trevor Booker is still on the roster for now, uh, D'Angelo Russell's there, they're still paying Darren Williams, God bless him, Justin Hamilton <laughs> show flashes, Quincy AC's no longer there, Karis Levert's there, Dimity's there, Joe Harris got that re- got brought back. You have some guys, Isaiah Whitehead, former Seton Hall, uh, Seton Hall stars on the team. You have this really good mix of vets now with these young guys. And you have someone like a Russell who's trying to prove himself because he bombed in L.A. for the most part. You have Mozgov who's trying to prove that his contract wasn't just a waste of money. You have Carroll who's a, who's, who was a good player before he came to Toronto and who came out and said the system's flawed in Toronto. No, nothing worked. Nobody trusts each other. Add it in with these yeah, young guys. And don't forget Lynn. Yeah, and don't forget Lynn yeah. who's still trying to prove himself in the NBA. With these young guys who wants to succeed in this major media market, and you said it, the the threshold for the East number eight is about thirty eight to forty. I really see them maybe not making the playoffs, but getting damn close, being two weeks out, and the Nets Nets are still in the conversation. And remember, to me, we're hoping we're hoping for the playoffs, and we think they could possibly contend to make that eight that eight or seven seed. The Nets' main goal, win or lose, is not to let Boston pick in the top three next season. And I think mm-hmm. on paper right now, that's not happening. I don't think that's happening right now on paper. No. I feel like the best Boston will get from the Nets' next draft, the best they can do is maybe uh, a 10. I feel like the Nets will be that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, I feel like the Nets will be – 20th in the league, give or take, and that's and that's they'll be right in the middle middle of the road, and then heading and they had a they had a draft pick for the first round. Now it's gonna be Toronto, so it's gonna be a high pick, but they're back in the first right. round to maybe maneuver around and maybe use some of these assets they have to move up if they need to. But the Nets, I don't know, and I felt bad. I, I thought Otto Porter would be a good fit for this team, but I really am. Ha- I, I might want to go to some net games. I'm moving to Queens in a couple weeks. I may want to go to some net games next year. Well, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to go to a couple of Nets games, and I like the whole out the the castaway scenario that they're going to play all season long. Where you know there are a lot, a lot of the players they were cast away from other organizations. So I think the Nets management is going to like really instill that with, to the players. So it should be an interesting season up at Barclays. So we're going to move away from local basketball for a minute, and we're going to talk about the rest of the NBA. And I will say this. I have never been a fan of the NBA Summer League. It's, just, you know, you, you watch it. If it's on, you kind of watch a couple minutes of it. And you kind of turn away and you start watching, you know, start watching Major League Two if it's on. But this one with the players that were drafted, and you've seen a lot of older players play in the Summer League this year. This, the Summer League may have been more exciting for some. I wouldn't say me, but a lot of people are saying it's more exciting than the NBA playoffs because you're seeing the storylines and there's players fighting for jobs and, you're seeing good basketball, which you normally don't see during summer league. I just—it's shocking yeah, to me that the NBA, that's yeah. Some of the shocking to me that summer league has been this good, and that I, and that I should give a crap about it. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know what I think it is. It's because a lot of the youth, the youth movement going on. A lot of these players, you know, first year, second year, some didn't even make. You know, some were in, injured. Like I think Ben Simmons could have played the summer league if they if he chose to this year, but he didn't. So I think. Mm-hmm. You're seeing the, 
you know, now you're giving more time to develop because a lot of players, they played only one year in college and they really can't get into any system or anything like that. So talking about summer league, we got to talk about Lonzo Ball. And this is uh, mo- probably one of the most maligned guys coming out of college. Thanks to his father, his father running his mouth. 36 points last night. He had a hell of a game last night wearing Nikes, which got, got had people talking. But is this a is this an instance where Lonzo Ball was in summer league and he scored 36 points, or is this an instance where Lonzo Ball showed why he was a top two pick and this is what he's going to do in the NBA? I think it's a little of both. I think you know he did the first game he had to get that get his out of the system. Second game he got that triple double. He knew LeBron was in attendance. He wanted to show him all the stuff. Because I still believe LeBron will be a Lakers next summer. That's a whole other topic for another time. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think a lot of it, he's just he's finding his rhythm. He's you know getting getting in um, NBA shape. And I think he'll be fine going forward. I was surprised he had 36 though. I, I didn't think he had that in him that soon. No, I didn't either. Another player that has been kind of. I wouldn't say surprising, but has really shown a lot of skill has been Jason Tatum from Duke. Uh, I saw him during the A10 tur- uh, the ACC tournament in Brooklyn, and you saw flashes. I didn't think he would come out. He did, and he got you know he's putting up big numbers for the Celtics. I think Jason Tatum, and there's been a lot of comparisons to him and Paul Pierce, according to Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons is comparing Jason Tatum to Paul Pierce, which I'm like, you know, fall back, hold on, let's wait a minute. But Jason Tatum looks really good right now. He does, and I think he's gonna. I think I think he's gonna be. Oh, to me, in my opinion, I think he's gonna be a, a younger, better version of Paul George, not Paul Pierce, but Paul George when he gets to play alongside Hayward and Isaiah, because he's gonna have a lot of open shots and he's gonna be able to do a lot of things on with the ball. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see now what that team has has constructed because Avery Bradley was traded. That was the that was the piece. All about the pieces they had. That someone had to go from Boston. Avery Bradley was that person last weekend. So now you have Isaiah Thomas. You're going to have Tatum. You're going to have Hayward. You're going to have Crowder still kind of lurking around. You're going to – you have a lot of moving parts for that team. It's going to be interesting how they distribute the ball and who – we know Hayward and Thomas are going to dominate the ball, dominate the scoring, but who's that third option in Boston? Because think about it, it was Isaiah Thomas and then nothing else. Now you have Isaiah Thomas and Gordon Hayward, 1A, 1B, Who's going to be one C or number two on that team? Because I don't, really, I still don't think they have that third option. I think I think it's going to be a combo of Tatum and and Brown probably fill that in in the meantime. Because like you said, other than the, the right, so scores, you, they have, they're great on defense. They're great on defense. So I like the addition of Morris. So, so you, I, I'm still, I don't know. Brown shows some flashes, but for as high as he was drafted last year, and for I'm still not sold on him completely yet. And I think maybe this is because I always saw, I really saw him in the playoffs and on those national televised games against one was against Cleveland where they just got smoked. The other was against Cleveland where they won and he played a little bit better. So I, I don't know I, I, if I would have tried to trade someone, you try to trade Brown, but it was also a money issue and Bradley's making the most money along Crowder. So it made more sense, but boss is going to be interesting to watch, especially if they make any more moves. And I don't think, I don't think Ainge's done yet. I think Ainge is still trying to talk and still trying to angle and see what he can do. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's still, they're still a, a player to be had. We probably got to wait for the, the, you know, the, I don't know who we can do right now. And I feel like between everybody going to the West, there's not really much talent in the East. 
So even Stanley packed it. The ceiling is there won't be no lower than third seed in the in the Eastern Conference. So Danny, his pace and game is actually paying off. Uh, also this week, Paul George was officially introduced uh, as a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and uh, he came out and said at a press conference he was surprised that he was traded to OKC. Uh, he stated that OKC was not one of the teams that was mentioned to him about being traded to. A lot of the rumors were to Los Angeles, a lot of rumors were to Boston, a lot of rumors were were to Cleveland, but Oklahoma City kind of swooped in and made this trade that still to this day, when I I, I see it and think about it. I'm still trying to figure out what the hell Indiana was thinking with this trade. Because you look, you look at what Oklahoma City had, and you look at what they gave up. It's like, are you even trying? Are you are you trying? I thought Paul George was like, I think Paul George was probably like, you trade me for that? That's it? Okay, cool. That's what are you sure? Okay, that's cool. And he's left. I love it. Even on the way out the play, he's cool. Giving uh, Indiana some backhanded uh, compliments. I think it was one of those instances where you know Indiana didn't want to trade him within the conference, even though I'm not a fan of that. Get the best you make the deal for the best deal you could possibly get, and they left a lot of great deals on the table just to get him out to go to OKC. That was horrible. I, maybe worst one of the worst trades in the last ten years. Yeah, and I'm still. I don't know. I'm. I'm trying to. Trying to get, I'm trying to give Kevin Pritchard the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he has a plan. We talk about process and plans. Maybe he has a plan. We don't know what that plan is. We sure as I don't know what the plan is because it's, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, also in Las Vegas this week, the Board of Governors met and had a couple of rule changes, a couple of tweaks, nothing major. Uh, they reduced the number of timeouts from 18 to 16. I'm uh, sorry, from 18 to 14. And they actually reduced the number of timeouts that coaches have Inside two minutes goes from three timeouts to two timeouts. And now the Adam Silver's whole thing is to speed, yeah, they want to speed the game up. Do you think this speeds the game up, or do you think we're still going to have those long stretches of those last two minutes taking 10 minutes? Absolutely. This doesn't have long stretches. You know, this is not, this is, it's not going to help. It's not a significant change. It's still going to be drawn out. You know, timeouts are still going to be lengthy. No major change there. What they need to work on is realignment because I think it's going to get real bad come NBA Eastern Conference playoff games. Well, that was my question to you. I was thinking about this today. I was, I forgot I'd come to you with this. They've been talking – the media, and there's a question about it yesterday, about not making the playoffs eight from the east and eight from the west, making it one through 16, top 16 records get in, no matter conference affiliation. Do you think, one, that's a good idea? Obviously, you said it, you think it is. And two, do you think it's happening? I don't. I think it's a great idea. They should do one to 16. However, I think the route they're going to go is probably a realignment eventually. Because someone made a great case to me the other day. Like for LeBron James, we all know his finals record. Now, what if he stays in the East and keeps on losing to the West? Now, it's gonna, he's going to be what? It's a possibility he could be four, three, and ten before we know it. To me, that's not fair to him because the West is just that dominant. If he was to go out in the West and lose in the semifinal or lose in the second round, it wouldn't, wouldn't impact his legacy that much. So I think eventually they're going to have to balance this out because it's been 17 years. Usually we keep hearing that the thing sway, you know, it sways. But it's 17 straight years where the West is 
LeBron and Michael Jordan. It's been nothing but championships on the West. We're in a couple of spots mm-hmm. here with the Detroit Pistons, the Boston Celtics. So I do think, you know, I think so. a team like New Orleans or a team like Dallas, which are stuck in the middle of America, and either way they travel. They travel to the West Coast, like a flight from New Orleans to L.A. is a, it's longer than a flight from New York to Miami. But if they were in New Orleans and they were trying to go to Miami or New York on a back-to-back, it's a shorter trip. So I think that's something they need to really think about, putting those teams in the East, just to balance it out a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you. And that was also one other thing about the the, the flying and the back and forth and the back to backs. So this season, NBA season starts on October seventeenth, which is good for us because, you know, oh, I said in the beginning, thing, things things will die off after this week, and we're going to talk about our schedule for the summer coming up and next in like towards the end of the show. But things die off, and the NBA kind of goes away for a little bit. They're still around, lurking. Training camp starts in September, but the earlier season they say will help alleviate a lot of back to backs meaning the, the season will go, I think, an extra week. So it ends a week later uh, in April. So do you think this is, a, this is the right decision or should they have kept it as is or the radical idea, reduce the number of games in the regular season? Well, they're not going to reduce the regular games in the season because they want their money. So I think, mm-hmm. I think this, is a, this is a step in the right direction, facing it out a little bit. Because I think the real issue is just the back-to-back. That's the real issue with the players. Like, that's something they need to like focus 100% attention on. Yeah, I don't. You know, it's and people always think they're making millions of dollars. They get the best treatment, best doctors, best. They can handle back-to-backs. But I'm sorry, if you're going, and I think the Knicks might have did this this year. I'm not sure. I want to. I, I should have double-checked this. But I think they went from New York to Philadelphia from Philadelphia to Chicago, if not this year, last year, in a span of about four days, which is kind of, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it's kind of, a, you know, you, you're either you're flying from New York, you're probably flying from New York to Philly, and then you're flying from Philly to Chicago. Then what if the game goes long? What if the game goes late? What if it's, it's a lot of different, it's a lot of X factors. So a lot of these guys, they may not get a full night's sleep traveling. You, you know, drive a plane when you're six foot seven, you know, yeah. Sorry, you're still on a plane. I don't care if you're first class. You're still on a damn plane, trying to sleep on a damn plane. You six, seven, six foot seven. So I think this is a good step in direction. I think Adam Silver, and everyone talks about the virtues of David Stern, and David Stern was a great commissioner. But I think Adam Silver, at this point, out of all the major leagues, and I will include Major League Soccer, I'll include uh, the NHL. He might be the best commissioner in the business because he does so much to help the players. I've never seen a commissioner do this much to try to alleviate pressure and stress and physical tolls on players. And I've seen from Adam Silver since he took over for David Stern. Yeah, it's very, he's very progressive. Definitely very progressive on top of everything. And you know what? He, 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 you know what he, wants? he wants the best product. And even his stance on the whole making the, the D-League better, and now it's called the Gatorade League. You know, just trying to rebrand that. So I, I do applaud what he's trying to do. So there was a... a a thought by Bill Simmons. Uh, you listen to Bill Simmons, too, so you probably heard the same thought about, and it's, it's a dumb, but it's something I've been thinking about last like two days since I heard the pod, his podcast about okay. relegation in the NBA. About you have the G League, so you have the G League, mm-hmm. which is a step below the NBA. Think Triple A. If you look at it in soccer terms, you look at the English Premier League. You have the Premier League, and then you have the Champions League Championship, and then you have League One, League Two, and so on and so forth. 
why not yeah. once the G League gets better and once you increase the the quality of the G League create where if your team sucks really badly the bottom two teams gets relegated to the G League and two of the best G League teams are brought up to the NBA and it keeps sliding back and forth it's it's a it's a weird idea but I actually I'm kind of in favor of it it's it's really weird no I like it it keeps it everything in ebb and flow I like that I like that idea a lot I don't know if I'll ever get See, to that I, point though yeah, but I was I was thinking you wouldn't like it. I was like, Jason, Jason would never be down for this. I feel like this is something you're like, no, this is stupid. No, hey, you know what it is? I'm all against NCAA and similar use. It's like, whatever we can do to hurt them, I'm for it. <laughs> so we hit for agency. So the big names are all signed. There's still a couple of guys kind of lurking out there, still waiting to get signed. Jonathan Simmons is an unrestricted free agent. His situation, he's kind of figured out, uh, I would assume, by the weekend. Based on the moves that we've seen so far, which teams – give me two teams that you think better themselves to the point where they could actually be considered in a conversation to not just make the playoffs but maybe make a run in the playoffs, not to the NBA Finals, but even to like the second or third round. Uh, and what happened to Houston? Just adding a good a veteran point guard, and they still have those – they still have those – you know, Nene and all those guys to control the board – not every shot that the Warriors take goes in, and then Tony's system is best equipped to match them or attempt to match them anyway. So I'm going to say Houston, especially if they get get mellow, because that's mm-hmm. only a matter of time. So I'll say Houston and Boston by default. I'll say Boston. So Houston's oh, sorry, interesting because Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh, min- oh min- yeah, Minnesota. Minnesota's kind of bringing that bull bull Midwest style back to Minnesota, but my. Back to Houston. My issue with Houston, especially if this mellow trade goes through, is it's three big dogs trying to get that ball. And to a point, and Carmelo still has beef for D'Antoni from before. So that's a whole issue they have to figure out if this happens. They need to sit D'Antoni and Melo in a room and say, listen, we got to figure this out. But I'm skeptical that all three of these guys, I'm skeptical about Chris Paul and James Harden, I'll be even more skeptical if Paul Harden and Carmelo play together that everyone's going to be happy all 82 games of the season and the playoffs. Yeah, that's, that's the great experiment right there. But I think just between D'Antoni and Chris Paul, I think it'll alleviate a lot of the pain. Actually, I think Chris Paul will alleviate the pain between D'Antoni and Melo. But that's that's why the point guard is going to be needed in that system where he, they'll all get the ball yeah, in, the, in their spots. Carmelo yeah. won't be asked to do he – won't, he won't be asked to do ISO Carmelo. He'll get the ball in good spots. And with Minnesota, this is my issue with Minnesota. I feel like Thibodeau's going back to the bank saying, listen, I'm going to get my guys. I can get Butler. I got Taj Gibson. Combine them with Carthage Towns. You know, he combine them with the Andrew Wiggins. And his downfall in Chicago was he had stars, he had names, he had guys who can play, and he ran them to death. 38, 40 minutes per, never using the bench. And I just don't trust him with this team with just a combination of young legs and legs that he know that he's going to coach them well enough where he's like, listen, you're not, I'm not going to run you out by March. He has a he has a habit for doing that, and now he's comfortable. Now he might go back to doing that old Chicago Bull stuff. 
Exactly. Yeah. I'm hoping that he learned his lesson from that time and he doesn't do it. Because they have a good, they have a good mix of young and old veterans. So I think, you know, they went from a no playoff team to possibly contending for the fourth or fifth spot in the West. And that's a good start. It's a good start for rebuilding that whole Minnesota back to the whole Kevin Garnett phase. So your teams were Houston and Minnesota. I'm kind of going to jump on a limp. Lim, and you wrote an article about it for WG2. I'm going to say in the East and say Sixers and Nets. And I know I said Ooh. run, you know, running the playoffs, but I'm going to go making playoffs. I think the Sixers, with the moves they made, they make the playoffs. They're in the playoffs next year. What seed? I don't know. But you get a ben, you get a healthy Ben Simmons. Markel Fultz has looked great before he messed his ankle up the other night. You add him with an Embiid uh, if he plays. You add him with an Okafor. You at you, you have a JJ Redick now, you you have guys that can play, and now you add Redick has that veteran presence to kind of bring it all together. You, you have a team, you have a really good team, and and B getting that experience here, he didn't finish the year, he was out, but getting that experience he got last year is going to help him a lot. Ben Simmons is the only question mark because we really haven't seen him play. I don't know much about Ben right. Simmons besides LSU. And that documentary where he like kind of blew class off, so it'll be interesting how he fits. But it, I'm I'm very very I'm intrigued with Philadelphia. I know on paper Philadelphia reminds me of the Magic, Shaq and Penny days, where you had a mm-hmm. young nucleus. They all pretty much gelled together at the same time, and I think we just see a little indications that that's going to happen. This season, especially if they can move, I think Okafor is the odd man out. I think they move him to get another shooting guard. Yeah, I, I think it, you look at Okafor. You look at uh, oh, I can't think of his name now. I'm thinking oh, Milwaukee. He gets hurt all the time. Oh, what's his name from Milwaukee? I'm going blank. Oh, it's going to come. No, it's the it's he's a I think it was the Duke guy too. Oh, you're talking about Jabari Parker. Yeah, Jabari Parker, that's the one. I feel like those two guys, I feel like pretty much the same player, not great. They're good. And that's what you're gonna get from Joel Okafor. You're gonna get good, but you're not gonna get great. And you can trade good at age twenty two, twenty three and get some stuff exactly. and get get what you need back for him. And I think that's the same same exact the same exact situation. Um with the Nets, we mentioned before, I think the moves they made made themselves a, a, a borderline playoff team. Are they going to make a run for the title? No. But are they, could they make the playoffs as an eight seed and make some, make some noise and push that one seed, which will probably be Cleveland, to, you know, five, maybe six games? Definitely. I think they have a good coach. And I feel like, like we, and we say it every single week about the Nets. They have a plan. They know what the hell they're doing. And it seems like it's all coming to fruition as long as Mikhail Prokhorov stays away and doesn't bother Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson, this team can be really good too. Yeah, I, I think you know. I think getting a, a building block and, and a, as your point guard, which the Nets seems to always trying to do throughout the years, is a great step in the right direction. So, give me one team that you think did themselves besides the Knicks, one team that did themselves no favors with free agency and the moves they made this this summer? One team that's got, I'm saying Cleveland, they didn't upgrade, they didn't get better. Like as much as being the best team in the awful, being the best team in the JV league 
doesn't really mean much when you go against a team out west. And I think Houston, we know the Warriors and possibly the Spurs to beat them in the final. So they did nothing to upgrade the situation. I, I, I agree with that. Um, for this part, I'm going to say in the East, too. I'm going to go with Chicago. So I feel like Chicago, the, Chicago has no direction. I feel like Chicago, once again, has no culture, have no philosophy. I feel like they got rid of Jimmy Butler just to get rid of him because they knew they can get, get something for him. But then the pick they picked up, marketing, not great. Chris Dunn still can't really shoot. Project. Zach Levine's yeah. yeah, Zach Levine's coming off major knee surgery. So you don't know what you get from him when he comes back in, I think, December. So he's going to miss the first couple months of the season. You have Dwayne Wade, but then you're probably going to end up buying him out because why do you want to rebuild when you have an old guy in your team? So I feel like they, they, they really didn't think that Jimmy Butler trade through all the way and didn't get the best deal possible. Totally agree. Totally agree. So they're really stuck in a bad place. They're just like the Knicks. They're stuck in a bad spot. They don't know what they're going to do. And like you said, who, who says that, you know, Dwayne Wade might not want to opt out. He might, I mean, he opt in, but he might not want to buy out. He might ride this whole thing through and just, you know, collect those checks. Which, do you find anything wrong with that? I, I, I find myself I find thinking, like, okay, that's kind of a, you don't? I find nothing wrong with that. On his part. See, I don't, I, I understand you want your money. I get it. I understand it. You know, cash rules, everything around me. I understand that. But you see what they're trying to do. You know you're not going to win. Just take the buyout and go someplace else. Like, you're kind of holding them up right now for your money, and you, and you have enough of it. Just let it go. Just just go. Hey, and if, play, if anybody play, play LeBron. Knows, if anybody knows about loyalty and how that could bite you in the butt, it's Dwayne Wade. He pretty much took all those things out to get those two chips with LeBron and Bosch. And I think this is something where we're going to probably see, not now, but later on, the, the ramifications as all these players take these pay cuts to create super teams. When they get to that stage in their career when they, you know, only got a couple more years left, they're going to want all those coins back. So this is definitely something that everybody needs to keep an eye on, on how it dictates the market going forward in terms of all these players making these super teams as they get older. So it, this is uh, – speaking of super teams, and obviously Boston is trying to create one with Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward just left right. Utah to go to uh, Boston. This became a story on Twitter. It's an issue, I feel like, in a city like Utah, which is kind of in the middle of nowhere. Salt Lake City is not exactly the best best nightlife. A lot of Mormons. No offense to Mormon listeners. But if you're an NBA player, if you're coming out of college, if you're a free agent, is Utah really your first, your first location on your wish list that you want to go play in? Because I feel like Gordon Hayward probably felt that way. I feel like Carmelone, he hunted and lived in woods. That's probably the best place for him. John Stockton, right. quiet place. He's kind of unassuming. Now, I feel like you have to live at least close to a major city to keep players happy. Utah is nowhere near anywhere. Like, is Utah a really good destination for a player? Absolutely not. And it's funny you mention that because I think the next time they have the collective bargaining agreement, there's going to be a lot of problems because a lot of these owners are ticked off of how, you know, talent keeps leaving their team. Like these, the, the new CBA was put in principle for teams like Utah, teams like Indiana, 
to be able to pay those guys more money and keep, you know, keep whoever they drafted in-house. But as we keep seeing now, they're not creating destinations. Players want to win. Players want to play with their friends. So I think with the next collective bargaining, it's going to be problematic for the player union. And that, that was one of the questions that someone asked uh, Silver during the, after the Board of Governors meeting about a lot of these teams where, like you said, the CBA is created to almost discourage teams from overspending. But everyone is overspending. This, this, there could be 12 to 13 teams who are in that luxury tax bracket when the season begins. And you start to see it more. Utah losing guys. The Greek freak is out of Milwaukee when his deal's up. I guarantee it. I'll put my name on it right now. He's not staying in Milwaukee. Guys don't want to stay in a market. You're going to see Westbrook come up for a contract next year. Is he going to stay? Paul George is talking big game like he'd be willing to stay, but we know Paul George wants to go to L.A. These smaller yep. market teams eat all over sports. Small market teams get hurt, and they're never, ever going to be able to compete with these bigger, larger franchises with names like the Lakers, names like the Knicks, names like the Mavericks who are in Dallas who aren't that good, but they're in Dallas with no income tax. Miami, Orlando, they're in Florida with no income tax. So these these kind of mid-market teams like a Memphis are going to suffer a lot for years to come. Yep, totally agree. And that's the problem. And as we said, like once these players, once these players come up their rookie deals, they're not staying with their teams. We've already seen that. Hayward was a prime example of what's going to happen in the future. He had a great team, 50-win team in Utah. Could have toughed it out. Came back there, had a nice young nucleus going on. But he went to Boston. They are, you know, not even for, not even for the money. He went back there because he had a better chance of going to the finals. And you can't knock him for that. No, you can't. But in, and my issue is too with this whole the salary cap and the luxury tax and all. I feel like the owners don't even care. Cause I feel like you, you're gonna you, you spend money to make money. You have to spend a little bit to make a little bit. I feel like these owners are like listen, we'll we'll eat the luxury tax. Now they put in these escalators where if you keep going into the luxury tax, the taxes increase. Like let's look at the. I feel like the Knicks have been in luxury tax luxury tax hell for years. The Golden State Warriors will be in luxury tax hell for years, also. So I feel like but they're winning. These owners, yeah, these owners don't care. These owners are like, we'll we'll spend the money, we'll eat the forty million dollar bill at the end of the season, but you know what? We're gonna make eighty, so we'll pay forty from that eighty, and we'll still put we'll put that other forty in our pocket. And it, I feel like these teams don't care about the luxury tax. Yep, not at all. And it's, it's and amazing because remember, this is what broke up the heatles. Mm-hmm. You're right, but it's but then the question becomes, what do you do? Like, what do you do to alleviate the problem? Do you? And obviously, a lot of these owners. You look at, I think Daniel Donald Sterling was an example. I heard on uh, Bill Simmons this week how he just pretty much pocketed all that revenue sharing money and said, "My team's gonna suck. I don't care. I'm gonna put this money in my account and call it a day." I'm. Get, I think it's getting to that point where you're gonna start seeing owners in Indiana. Even though Indiana, I'm not really sure are they gonna. Their owners pretty, pretty, pretty good. But like in Memphis, well, younger owners like you know we're gonna suck. Who cares? I'm gonna make some money. I'm gonna go invest in some more esports franchises. It. Right. I feel like the, these owners, some of these owners in small markets, are gonna realize this and gonna not feel competitive teams. Like why bother? We're gonna suck anyway. Meanwhile, we, we're, we, we live that's, in a... That's the problem. 
I was gonna say that's mm-hmm. the problem with the, the current, you know, collective bargaining is like it's not protecting these guys, and they was made for them. It was made for these small market owners, which doesn't make any sense. I know it. It, it kind of came back to bite them in the ass. I don't know how. So, yeah. I want to talk about last night at the ESPY Awards. Richard Sherman uh, made some news last night and said that in this environment of NBA players making tons of money, millions of dollars, NFL players obviously aren't making that kind of money unless you're a quarterback. Richard Sherman last night before the ESPY said that NFL players have to be willing to strike in order to start making NBA salaries. Do you think the NBA salaries and the, they're getting bigger and it's going to keep getting bigger? Do you think those salaries are going to create this kind of this envy from other leagues, especially, you know, look at NHL, not so much NHL, not more NFL, that players are going to want their piece of the pie too, and it's going to re- result in strikes and lockouts, and the NBA is just creating this, creating this thing that cannot be replicated in other leagues. Uh, I, I think, well, that Benji's already there. Benji's already there, you know, full front and center. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back the NBA on this because the NBA Players Union is so strong and so they, they handle their business when it comes down to dealing with these owners. Unlike the NFL, the NFL Players Association is, is not that strong. And just the idea, remember, it's more of them, too. It's, it's for every NFL team, there's 50, 53, 54 players. And they mm-hmm. teams 12 guys. So, you know, the money, and plus you're playing in the left. You're only playing 16 games preseason. You know, you're not, the money shouldn't be in equal value. But, however, the players, like I said, the players union is not as sturdy. It's not that strong. And they, they, they've been being robbed by the, by the owners for decades. The owners are making handover, fifth yeah. money, and... Don't worry about the NBA. Worry about the fans in your backyard. That's just my opinion on how all these NFL players are being so petty towards NBA players. Well, I think you look at it, too. The NBA owners were robbing players for forever. And you saw the NFL owners robbing players. NBA, like, they robbed their guys for a long time. And so I feel like and it really is recently, in the last like, 15, 20 years, I feel like the players realized they have some power, too. Because like, without us, you're not making your money. Without us, yep. you, don't, you don't have stars. You, you don't have the Kobe's. You don't have the Shaq's. You don't have the uh, uh, Latrell Sprewell when he was big. You don't have a Garnett. You don't have a Pierce. And I feel like the players realize that. I feel like the NFL, there's so much tone of turnover where that, 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 that argument really doesn't work because guys are in and out. The, the, the lifespan yep. of running back is three to four years. Quarterbacks, you'll see quarterbacks 15, 20 years, and they get the most money. But then you could see a team go, you know, we're going to cut our whole secondary, all four guys, bring in four new guys, and then that's it. The, the faces of the team change constantly. When NBA, you're going to have household names. You're going to have KD. You're going to have LeBron. You're going to have Russ. You're going to have P, uh, Paul George. At NFL, you really don't have those household names besides, like you said, a Tom Brady. Like a, nope. for local guys, Eli Manning, uh, uh, Peyton Manning when he played. You don't have those household names in the NFL, like you do for the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. And what the what the when the NFL players need to worry about is trying to find a way to get guaranteed contracts. Let alone worry about getting NBA money. They need to worry about guaranteed contracts first. That's what I'm talking about. They need to worry about what's going on in their backyard instead of being envious to the NBA. Yeah, it's just it was it was a, it was an interesting statement, but um, you're comparing apples to oranges. You're comparing two way two different yeah. two different leagues, two different styles, but. Yeah, the NBA got their stuff together, and that's all you kind of have to take from it. The NBA, NBA Players Association are, are under Michelle Roberts. They've gotten stronger. 
the Morris Smith and oh. the NFL Player Association, they've gotten a little stronger too. They got they got a pretty good deal to last CBA, but they want a little bit more. So now, now we're talking work stoppage and NFL, where the NBA just re up for another six years with an option for a seventh year. So it should be interesting. Yeah. Uh, have you been keeping up with the big three? I have. It's been pretty entertaining. You know, now that when Chelsea started playing again, they started his team started picking up, and it, this is really good. I think next, like I said, I think it's starting to gain traction, and I think next year it's going to even be better. Yeah, my only complaint with the big three was the crowd in Brooklyn was hot, the crowd in Charlotte was hot. Why the hell are you going to Tulsa? That's Tulsa. What was the point? Yeah, that's Tulsa. Did you look on that TV? Was, that was... Did... Yeah. <laughs> That was bad. You look on TV. Yeah, you look on TV. The stadium's like half empty. Not a lot of excitement. There was some weird configuration of seats, so it was like a weird open spot. But like, you had and they gave up their August 26th spot at T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. They gave it up to McGregor Mayweather. So I'm not sure if they announced where that that was supposed to be their championship game. MGM Grand. Oh, it is okay. 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 Well, okay. They're still in Vegas, I guess. Okay. But still, and it's a smaller, it's a smaller venue, so they'll probably sell that place out. Right. Oh, okay. But, but um, uh, it's going to be in Philly coming up. That's going to be going to see an, an exciting crowd out there, especially folks want to see Iverson back in action. So I think once they hit Philly, they're going to start hitting their strides again. In yeah, I, they have to be really cognizant. They have to be really cognizant of where they have it because not every not every market is going to be great. So, for future reference, Tulsa, Oklahoma is not the place you should go next time. Yeah, you got Russ not to drive out to Tulsa. You got you got, you got Russ to drive out, but that's about it. So you should keep that in mind for next time. <laughs> Mahmoud Roof, amazing. Abdul Roof is like fifty-eight, and my man's just shooting jumpers and hitting them. It's crazy. I love it. <laughs> so um, there will be no box out next week. I have to work next Thursday night. I'm going to my final weekend of being a New Jersey resident for a long while. I'll be moving to New York, Jason. I'll be a New York resident for the foreseeable future. So I got to work next Thursday to get off. Yeah. So I have to get off. I have to work next Thursday to get off my final, my final party weekend in New Jersey. So there'll be no box out next week. Um, The following week, we're actually doing something different. We're going to go, we're going to do shows every other week. Uh, Basketball news is going to die down a little bit. And we have some topics that we're gonna not gonna tell you about right now, but uh, Jason and myself are working on some things to have our show, but maybe not do all news. Have different special shows for the rest of the summer going into training camp. So no box up next week, but we'll be back the week after with a special show that I think you will like. I think we talked about a little bit about certain basketball movies, and the movie we talked about through text today could be a classic. Yes, sir. Can't wait. And so it should be very interesting. So thanks so much for listening, Jason. Great show as always. Enjoy the week off, man. Enjoy the weather. Go to the beach. Thanks, you too. So we'll you see you. Well. Yeah, see you not next week, the week after. Uh, we'll see you on the 27th of July, I believe. Yeah, 27th of July. The box out Thursday night, 8 p.m. on July 27th. So for Jason, I'm Khalil. We will see you in two weeks. Please enjoy the weather. Enjoy the summer. Enjoy the Knicks interest in a new general manager because I know I will. I'll be laughing during it probably. So for Jason, I'm Khalil. We will see you in two weeks. Later. Thank you.